All right. Give everybody a minute or so to settle in. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Ryan Selkis, AKA Two Bit Idiot on Twitter. And this is Masari's Unqualified Opinions, ETH Denver edition. I am doing an onslaught of interviews with some of my favorite people in the industry, folks that in many cases I've gotten to know over the course of a number of years and, and watched over multiple companies' life cycles. Um, we're kicking off with a bang because uh, we've got my friend Eric Voorhees, who you know as the founder and CEO of Shapeshift, a digital asset exchange, non-custodial digital asset exchange, and uh, one of the real pioneers in the industry. I've been a fan of Eric for a long time uh, as a writer uh, because of his eloquence and, and what I think is some of his uh, narrative abilities to help bring people in and, and understand the importance of, of crypto. And, uh, and think from a first principles uh, basis to uh, get people opting in to more decentralized financial applications. So we're gonna talk about a lot in a short amount of time, but as with most of the interviews that we're gonna be doing, we wanna to try to keep it as topical as possible. Uh, we'll, we'll skip uh, some of the very, very interesting uh, long form uh, history of Eric and, uh, and the company. But I uh, do want to take the opportunity to discuss a new product that they're introducing this week, which is a culmination of uh, a number of things that you may have seen Shapeshift offer before. The non-custodial exchange, it has elements of uh, KeepKey, their, their hardware wallet, as well as a former product called Prism, which is one of my favorite applications that you guys had, uh, that I'm very excited to see is, is being resuscitated in a new and improved form with, with this new product. So without further ado, Eric Forres, what are you guys up to? Yeah, uh, well thanks for having me on this live. This is my first uh, Periscope ever, so that's exciting. Um, so yeah, I, I, run, uh, I run Shapeshift, we're a digital asset exchange, and um, over the last year we've been working on our new platform, which is essentially the, the next evolution of what Shapeshift is all about. So we got started as a non-custodial way to convert one asset into another, and that's, that's always been our bread and butter. The non-custodial nature is super important to us. Um, I've, I've been around the industry long enough to live through like every hack of every exchange and they just keep happening. And um, we, we felt that we needed to really give people the ability to manage their crypto assets and trade them in a way that was non-custodial from start to finish. So our new product is really, it, we're calling it Where Crypto Lives. Uh, it's the place where everyone can hold their crypto, uh, send and receive it, trade it back and forth, and manage it in a way where they're not having to trust uh, any other party with, with any of that round trip process. And you mentioned in your post earlier this year, obviously 2018 was, was a, a brutal year for a lot of teams. Yes. But one of the things that you mentioned, we don't need to go into the, 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 the details, I think you know, most people know that they shapeshift and a uh, you know, number of, of in, uh, companies in the industry had some layoffs just to kind of right size and, and home focus. But one of the uh, things that you did mention in your post was that you'd felt you guys had spread a little bit too thin. Um, if I look at the different components of legacy shapeshift and this new product, it kind of seems like everything's coming together versus you jettisoning, uh, jettisoning any core product that you've yeah, built we, already. I mean, we started as, as a simple tool to convert one asset into another. And in crypto, there's so much opportunity that you know, us, us with our entrepreneurial eyes, we want to see those opportunities and build toward them. So we started branching the company into lots of different products. We built CoinCap, which is a market data site. We built Prism, which was a smart contract-based portfolio management tool. 
Um, we were building some other things behind the scenes. We acquired KeepKey, which is a, a hardware wallet, um, because in all these things we saw important opportunity. And so one of our one of our lessons over the last year was that we had been doing too many things, and we needed to tie these all back together into one one cohesive package. And that's what this new platform is. So it takes it builds on a lot of the technologies that we've been working on over the last few years, but it is now just one single shapeshift platform. Um, we're really excited to share it with everyone. It's still in closed beta right now, so at F Denver, we're showing people um, a real demo of it. Um, and we and anyone can go uh, join the waitlist at shapeshift.io slash where crypto lives. Excellent. How many people will be able to play around with it this weekend? So is the closed beta going to be open to all the developers here? or Yeah, what, I mean, what, anyone that wants to see it in real time can do so here. Um, and then we'll be inviting people from our waitlist starting on Monday actually sign up and start using it on their own. But anyone that's here at the event can be can go up to the booth and we'll show you in real time what the thing looks like and you can play around with it. Well, I'm not on the wait list yet, but I'm sure I'm going to ask to cut the line and, and write about this with some screenshots. Anyone and with a unicorn card. horn, Anyone with I, use it immediately. So, so the backstory of these unicorn horns, aside from the obvious, um, this is, I think, the best prop that I saw in, in the first 15 minutes, at least, of walking the floor. I'm sure there's going to be other props that other companies have, other swag. Just to be clear though, this, this swag is exclusive to ShapeShift employees, so I feel very honored that I've been able to borrow this for the half hour that we're going to have. Yeah, these have a funny story. So we, <laughs> we looked on Amazon to find unicorn horns for, for our team here, and we have like 30 people at this event. And uh, there were basically two different unicorn horns. There was like a really cheap, ugly one, and then there was this one, which is like the deluxe version. But all we're, out. We're trying to be responsible with our money, <laughs> and so it was hard for me to justify buying the nice unicorn horns. So I just did it myself on my own credit card because I really wanted the nice unicorn horns, but I didn't want the company to have to pay for it. So what can can you walk me? So thir thirty, the average sale price of, of the the shitty unicorn horns. I think these were like ten dollars a piece. So ten. Okay. Three hundred dollar capital investment for these shiny horns. I think I, think I had a drink better. when I made the decision to buy them, but it's certainly not the worst purchase ever. What was the alternative? Like the alternative the was each? like, yeah, a dollar each, and they were plastic, and the, the horn wasn't even three-dimensional, it was... I, 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 think that, I think that when you write your autobiography, there will be at least a mention of the capital expenditure and the bear market that you made on the high-quality unicorn horns. Absolutely. Because it's important to yeah. keep up appearances and, and keep the team motivated. Yeah, well, everyone was pretty <laughs> excited to get it, so it was a win-win for everyone. Um, so, you know, one of, the, one of the things that immediately comes to mind, I'm super excited to try out the new product. Um, you've been um, very philosophical and, and very mission-driven, I think, ever since you got into the industry. And one of the things that you've been outspoken about is the government overreach that has extended into many aspects of this industry. So I know last year, you know, uh, on a few different fronts was, was tough for the industry, tough for you guys, but, but one of the things that I know must have stung was uh, having to rejigger your product to uh, basically mandate accounts for folks that were, were gonna try some of these new services. Um, walk us through some of that process and, and how you see the account-driven shapeshift getting built out over the course of the next year, and, and then what are some of the areas you'd like to decentralize over time? Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, I, th I think everyone has a right to financial privacy. Um, I think just in the same way that people have a right to privacy in their thoughts and in their communications and in their relationships, they have a right to privacy in their money. But uh, the financial system does not permit that, the traditional financial system. And 
crypto does. Crypto actually allows people to have privacy in their, in their finances, which is one of its most powerful features. Um, and yet, crypto doesn't exist in a vacuum. It exists in the real world where there is governments that are trying to regulate everything that people do. And so the governments are not okay with people having financial privacy. And all sorts of regulations from decades ago are trying to be imposed onto crypto finance. And a lot of it, some of it's clear, some of it is gray, and a lot of it is unknown and changing, especially depending on which jurisdiction you're in. So it's a whole big mess. And um, Shapeshift has always converted one digital asset into another. Um, what regulatory framework that falls under is not necessarily clear. It depends, again, which jurisdiction you're talking about. Um, so over the last year, like as we had gotten large enough as a company, um, we were getting lots of signals, which I won't get into, uh, that the way we were doing that was going to be very risky going forward. And so we had to make a very, very tough decision to impose KYC onto our platform, even though we didn't want to, even though we don't think people should have to give up their personal information. Uh, and it was, a, it was a very existential kind of challenge for me and for the team. Um, we plan to fight it over time in certain ways, but we have to be very strategic about how we do that. So um, yeah, it was, it was rough. I mean, we spent literally millions of dollars trying to navigate every nuance of these rules, figure out every, every way to, to get through them or around them in a compliant way, and uh, ultimately decided we had to impose KYC on, on Shapeshift. And that was hard. A lot, of, a lot of our customers hated it, you know, rightly so. Um, and we've, we've had to just move forward and adjust and, and keep building afterward. Yeah, and, and one thing that struck me about that, you know, uh, I think it was probably disappointing for a lot of users. I, I know that, you know, a lot of your early supporters and investors empathize with you and, and, and the situation. I think what a lot of people don't understand is last year really became all about the SEC. People forget that the SEC, what they actually ask for and, and the damage they can do is far limited versus what the Department of Treasury can do if they think you're operating an unlicensed money transmitter business or helping to facilitate uh, any type of, of service that would obfuscate transactions and potentially launder money. So it's kind of guilty until proven innocent until the, uh, as far as the U.S. government is concerned. When we talk about how that's problematic, um, that seems to be something that will only get resolved over time as the industry matures, as the uh, services that are getting offered and provisioned actually have enough financial clout to make those arguments. Absolutely. Um, but that's still only one half of the equation, particularly for Shapeshift, because so many of the assets that um, people are transacting in could potentially be construed as securities by the SEC. So how have you guys thought about your listing process and, and, and you know, abiding by the, the spirit of you know, consumer protection and uh, you know, efficient markets and, and just other kind of self-regulatory uh, uh, components of the law to hopefully keep the SEC off your back, make sure that there's a robust list of tokens that, that people can trade, even if it is on a KYC basis. Yeah, so, um, and, and the SEC isn't really con as concerned with the KYC side as they are with whether something is a security or not. Uh, and basically we have this situation in the industry where there are thousands of these different tokens on different blockchains. Some are very clearly securities. So a share of a company that is tokenized is a security. And some are very clearly not securities like Bitcoin. And then there's a whole huge ground in the middle um, that is unclear. 
and the SEC has thus far been unwilling to state where they believe that line should be drawn. They imply where maybe it might be drawn sometimes. They're remaining very uncommittal. Um, meanwhile, people are trying to experiment with the stuff and figure out what they can build and what they're going to get in trouble for, and there's not a clear answer. Uh, and it's really frustrating. I mean, it's put a it's put a chill on the entire industry. It has caused you know, a, a small startup that wants to play around with tokens has to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars doing securities review just to see if what they can do can get off the ground. It's not a good it's not a good situation. Um, you know, fortunately, Shapeshift is large enough that we have the resources to explore these things with good legal talent. So we've we run all of our assets that are on the platform through a very thorough review of, of how likely they are to potentially be considered a security, and those which we feel are too close to the line, we, we don't add, and those which we feel comfortable with, we, we add. But it's it's unclear. There's not a there's not a clear delineation. One thing that you mentioned uh, over breakfast that uh, I think is interesting, and, and you're starting to see from more of the custodial exchanges, is this whole concept of um, offering learning resources or some type of basic information about these different assets to um, to folks that are actually going to be making a buy or sale decision, right? Um, and you're seeing this get layered on to Coinbase with Coinbase Learn, you're seeing it um, with, with Circle Research, with Binance Info, and you mentioned that you guys had some ideas for, for basic informational services that might be getting built into the new product in addition to CoinCap, which is the, the price list and, and yeah. the markets uh, data platform that you guys have. Yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately we want, we don't want to judge assets for the most part unless they appear to be an outright scam. What we would like to do is provide consistent consumable information for people to, to make those assessments themselves. And that information by the nature of this industry being decentralized has itself been decentralized. It's very difficult to get a hold of, you know, proper form. So um, yeah, it's certainly an initiative of, of ours to help people learn about these things, you know, why a project might be cool, what its risks are, what the potential for it is, and then some of the basics like, it, does this exist on an actual blockchain, is there a limit to the supply, who's involved in the building of it, um, all these things that people need to know uh, to help inform users, we, we want to build that into our platform, so hopefully we can work with companies like Masari. Uh, and others who are doing this uh, very important work. Hopefully our team is watching and can follow up immediately after we finish this yeah. conversation. Masari is doing awesome. <laughs> um, I think the industry is getting to a point where professionalism is starting to get expected, whereas before it was a, a luxury. So we're starting to have a lot more information that comes from reputable sources, and uh, that process will play out I think, over the next year or two. I would agree. What are you most excited about from an assets standpoint in the industry? You guys covered things that you hope are not securities, but but security tokens offerings are a major emerging trend uh, in in 2019. I, I don't know if there's a whole lot of stake there. It's, it still seems like it's a lot of sizzle, and I'm not sure what the marginal benefit or, or revolutionary aspect is. So yeah, wh how, how do you see those getting built into the platform, or, or, or when, and and how are you prioritizing I mean, we, new assets? Things that are clearly securities, we can't have on ShapeShift uh, unless we get a securities broker license in the US. So that's a whole other you know, millions of dollars of legal work if we want to pursue that. Maybe we will someday, but until then we, we can't list anything that is a security. But there are lots of other companies that are working on the security tokens and I, I think they're going to be hugely powerful. I think 10 to 20 years from now every, every financial asset will be a token of some form. So that includes all securities, that includes all currencies, digitized commodities. 
um, and then all sorts of really cool abstract financial derivatives that will be tokenized. Um, you know, being able to own, a normal person being able to own $15 worth of a share of a building because they drove by and felt like, oh, that might be a good investment and they do it on their phone. Like that's, that's the kind of frictionless finance that, that tokenization will allow. So I'm super bullish on, on crypto securities, but that whole industry is gonna move more slowly because it's, it's caught in the tentacles of regulation from the start. I tend to agree. You know, you, you kind of touch on fundamentals at the end and, and, and you know, you and, and me and, and others that have been in early, um, you know, we invested in Bitcoin for certain reasons and Ether in certain reasons and very few and in, uh, in, in many cases, at least in mine, other assets besides that because I didn't really have a fundamentals, uh, a fundamental thesis or driver behind many of these assets. Masari's focused on fundamentals. The industry is basically built on memes right now. Mm-hmm. So what's your favorite? KPI as you look at these projects and what's your favorite meme that you think has staying power out of these assets? I think a good way to understand these these digital assets is is to be like new digital commodities. And so what what are the fundamental value? What is the fundamental value of a commodity? Well, that depends on how it gets used over time. And at the start, there isn't much use, right? Like at, at the start of human civilization, there wasn't use for gold silver or oil those things didn't have any fundamental value to humans at the start but those things today are incredibly valuable so the the fundamental value of a lot of these assets will evolve as the ecosystem itself changes Um, so that's an important point for people to understand I think in terms of memes um, (laughs) the the best one has to just be the the hodl meme because I think it, it connects to people on a deep level who have been in this industry through all the tumultuous bubbles. And those of us who have been in this for, for several years, um, we, we believe in it to the point where we will, we will just keep holding and believing in these things until they either take over the world or they crash and burn and everyone forgets about them. Like we, we're committed and we're in it for the long haul. Yeah, people talk about the citadels in crypto, but they don't talk about the hostels uh, that we'll all be staying in together if, <laughs> if yeah. this doesn't pan out. I have certainly, so. I have certainly handcuffed myself to this ship, and whether it's a spaceship going to the moon or the Titanic remains to be seen, but it's an exciting time, and um, I, I remain as bullish as ever on crypto generally. Truer words were never spoken. Eric Voorhees at Shapeshifts. This is the first of over a dozen live interviews that we're going to be doing throughout the course of the next couple of days. As you can see, we're in a dungeon right now that's doubling as the podcast room. Uh, I'm going to be moving around during the, the course of the events. So I hope that everybody was able to hear uh, on the live stream. We will have a, a sound engineer repurposing these for podcasts and, and fixing any of the blurry lines that you may have seen or not heard uh, in this particular interview. One thing that will not go away, though, is the unicorn. So, yeah. Thank you. Eric, Thanks for having me on. always a pleasure, man. Cheers. Bye.